Well, we too wish everyone a happy new year and uh, God's blessings as we begin another year. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord on the first day of the year. It's a blessing too to have each one here and our visitors who welcome you uh, to our service today. Well, my mind did go towards the new year as we face uh, the coming year, and so I've entitled the message, Faithful Living in the New Year. I don't know how you feel about a new year. A, a new year often brings mixed feelings, uh, brings maybe some anxiety. We're looking back somewhat, and then we're also looking forward, not knowing the future. And we live by and in time. We have calendars. We talk about days and weeks, months and years. We have a picture of man in Psalm 90. I invite you to turn to Psalm 90. I just want to read a couple verses here. Psalms 90 verses 9 and 10 give us a real good picture of, of us as human beings. Psalms 90 verse 9, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. And so that's a picture of mankind. And then verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And so thus the subject of the morning is we need to apply our hearts to wisdom knowing this and we need to consider faithful living in the coming year. I need it. I need to think about this coming year and my faithfulness to Almighty God. When I think of the new year, a couple things come to my mind. Uh, I guess it's been about 35 years ago. Back in 1987, uh, we came out of church at Cold Springs, Mennonite Church in Abbeville, South Carolina. And all at once I noticed a little white something under every windshield wiper blade on the vehicles. And uh, closer looking at that paper, someone had put under the wiper of every vehicle a article that was entitled 88 Reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. It's 35 years ago. I also remember in the year 2000, those of you that are old enough to remember that, uh, of course that's been 23 years ago, but we were living in Belize at the time, and uh, you probably heard more about it here than we did there, but it was a lot of discussion about what was going to happen. The world is going to come to an end. 
computers are going to crash, Y2K. I remember, uh, I'm not sure, sure the exact day, but right, right at that time, right at the end of the year, I remember a, ma a man came to the shop and returned quite a few stolen tools, stools that he had, tools that he had stole from the shop. He returned them because he wanted to get ready because the Lord's coming back. There's nothing wrong with what he did. 23 years ago, we're still here. Matthew 24 says, No one knows the day or the hour of Christ's return. It also says, Watch, therefore, be ye also ready. We're 23 years closer than 2000 to the coming of Christ. And again, the reminder of being faithful to watch and be ready. Well, God does not live in time, or nor is he limited to time. Uh, if you're still in Psalms 90, look at the first two verses there. It says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever Thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. To all generations means he's always been there, and he always will be from everlasting to everlasting. Psalms 102. Psalms 102, verses 25 through 27 of old hast thou laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Again, speaking of God there, he has no end. He always was, he always will be. And then verses 11 and 12 of that same chapter kind of gives a summary of what we've just looked at. It says, My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever, and thy remembrance unto all generations. We are like a shadow, and God lives forever. And so we come to a new year, and... Uh, the word resolutions has already been mentioned this morning. You know, it's something you hear a lot about, New Year, New Year's resolutions. I saw in the paper the other day, it was a whole page of where they interviewed about 10 different people. What are your New Year's resolutions? There's nothing wrong with resolutions, but I guess what I think about is too often we break those because we are trying to do better. And of ourself, we can't do it. It takes God to help us. And so I'm wondering this morning if it wouldn't be better to think of, of instead of a resolution for this year, is to think more about faithfulness in my life. Think more of a, 
the lifespan, my lifespan and the need of being faithful my whole life. I think that would carry us into the thought of we looked at God being everlasting. He has no beginning and no end. And so if we are faithful all our life, then that carries us into eternity. And then we will be with God forever. It's a it's a long term mentality, not you know, this year I want to do better, but it's my whole life I want to live for God. You've heard it said before, we have a birth date and we have a death date. And usually when you see that there's a little dash between and someone has said the dates are not that important, it's the dash. The time between is the important part. And so let's have that mindset of being faithful all of my life. It's also a blessing to know that God helps us in this life to be faithful. We're not on our own. We have God to help us. And the songwriter brought that out so well in the song, Jesus Savior, Pilot Me. Uh, the first verse talks about how life can be hard. It says, Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous sea. Unknown ways before me roll, hiding rocks and treacherous stroll. Chart and compass come from thee. Jesus, Savior, pilot me. And so we're asking Jesus to pilot us. That's, that's how it reads. But you know, sometimes... People lose out not because of hard things. Sometimes people lose out because everything goes well. Everything is going well. We have a life of ease. And that can also trip us up. And so this writer, he wrote this song. He wrote another verse. And this verse is never in our song books. I'm not sure why. But this verse says... Through the sea, I'm sorry, though the sea be smooth and bright, sparkling with the stars of night, and my ship's path be ablaze with the light of peaceful days, still I know my need of thee, Jesus Savior, pilot me. And so we can get tripped up by difficulties or by success. And the writer's saying, even when I have success and things are going well, I still need Jesus to pilot me. And then the last verse is the assurance verse. When at last I near the shore and the fearful breakers roar, twixt me and the peaceful rest, then while leaning on thy breast, may I hear thee say to me, fear not, I will pilot thee. He's indicating that Jesus is right there, and he's there to pilot us. That is reassuring. As I thought of faithfulness, a, a couple of scriptures came to my mind that I guess we could just call them recipes for being faithful. The first one was in Philippians 3. 
Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Again, recipes, a recipe for being faithful. He says here, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying here to forget the things behind and look to or reach forth to those things that are before. We are to pre press toward the high calling, uh, it says, of God in Christ Jesus. Again, this is a lifelong approach. It's not just, I want to try to do good this year, but it's a pressing forward in life, all of life. Sometimes we get stalled in life or stuck because we can't get over something in the past. We may need to confess sin and forsake it. We may need to forgive someone and forget it and move on. I believe that's what Paul's saying here. We can get hung up on failures or successes and fail to press on in the Christian life. Paul said in Colossians 1.29, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I think the encouragement there is to, to keep working, to keep laboring, to keep striving, to keep going. He says that God is working in us. And so let's work with God. Let's allow that working to keep us going and to keep us moving. A second verse that gives a recipe for faithfulness is in James chapter 1. I think this verse Mary was referred to last Sunday in the message. James chapter 1 verse 27 says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. It calls this pure religion. And I've always thought that, you know, kind of stood out. What is pure religion, you know? What is, what is the answer to real religion? And here I think he gives us a pattern for life. He says to help the needy and to keep oneself pure. You know, when we help the needy, help those in need, it gets our mind off of ourself. And often self is the thing that takes us down. And so... I understand that uh, in their day and time, the orphans and widows were neglected. And so this is probably a general reference to those that have needs. Whoever has needs around us, he's saying here that 
pure religion is to meet the needs around and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. I believe if we followed this, it would be a recipe for faithfulness in our lives. If we had the daily attitude of helping those in need and keeping myself pure. All right, now I'd like to look at, I'm calling it four keys to faithful living. It's really four words we want to look at. And these four words are master, mission, method, and maintenance. The first one is master. We need to choose our master. Again, keys to faithful living. We need to choose our master. When we become a Christian, we basically are choosing our master. If we don't choose Christ as our master, we are still choosing a master by default. Because we're born in sin, we have a sinful nature, and so by not choosing Christ as our master, then Satan will become our master. So this morning, if you're here and you've never chosen Christ as your master, I encourage you to do so. And it's not a one-time thing. I think all of us understand that as we live our life here on this earth, we constantly have to make that decision that I want to follow Christ the master. I want to follow him. And so it's, a, it's an ongoing decision <clears throat> that we make to follow Jesus Christ as our master. <clears throat> Joshua 24, 15. Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. go to the New Testament and you remember um, Mary and Martha and the one story there it says uh, that Martha told Mary that the master is come and is calling for her also says uh, I believe it's another setting that, that Mary sat at Jesus feet and heard his word. We're talking about following the master. Let's turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We have a few um, interesting verses here about an episode that happened. Luke 5, verses 1 through 5. says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets 
or draw? And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have told all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And you remember the rest of the story. They let down the net and they caught more fish than they could handle. The important couple of things here, we're talking about following the master, but the first verse, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Like Mary, she sat at his feet. Here the people pressed to hear. They came to the master to hear the word of God. We need to do the same. And verse 5, when Jesus had told him to let down your nets, Simon answered him, Master. And then he basically says, your request doesn't really make sense. Nevertheless, at thy will, at thy word, I will. I think this should be our attitude as we come to our master, as we seek to hear his word, and then when he gives us his word, what is our response? We may not understand exactly what he's saying to us. We may not, uh, we may not think it's the best thing, and yet... If we're serving the master, I believe we need to come to that place where whatever he tells us, we say, at thy word, I will do this. It's important in being faithful. The second word is mission. And we need to seek to know God's mission for us. What does God want me to do? What does God want you to do? Well, we have the Great Commission in Matthew 28 where he said, Go and teach all nations. We know that verse, and I think we understand that we should be presenting the gospel as we live our lives, as we mingle with others. Paul, at his conversion, you remember he said, what wilt thou have me to do? That was what Paul said to the master when he met the master. And I think we need to continue to ask that question in our lives as we come to the master. What would you have me to do? I think it's a, it's a continual question that we need to ask our master. We need to come to him in prayer. We need to consider our lives, our circumstances, our talents, our jobs, our families. What is our mission? Our mission is to tell others about Christ, is to raise our families in the way that he would have us to, is to serve the Lord. The list goes on. It may mean to stay put. It may mean to move. It may mean to 
go some other place. Uh, each, each of us has a mission, I believe, that God would want us to carry out. And as I thought of that, I had to think of Jared's. Uh, you know, I believe they're simply carrying out what God has asked them to do. I think it's a good example. We need to keep the mission in the forefront of our minds. I think as we do that, it will help us to be faithful. I'm challenged by the words of another song, uh, a song I think we sing sometimes from our hymn book called Old Zion Haste. Words of this song go like this, and keep in mind our mission. It says, O Zion, haste thy mission high fulfilling to tell to all the world what God, that God is late, that he who made all nations is not willing one soul should perish lost in shades of night. Proclaim to every people, tongue, and nation that God in whom they live and move is Lord. Tell how he stooped to save his lost creation and died on earth that man might live above. Give of thy sons to bear the message glorious. Give of thy wealth to speed them on their way. Pour out thy soul for them in prayer victorious. And all thou spendest, Jesus will repay. Fulfilling our mission helps us to be faithful. The third word is method. And so what method am I using to fulfill my mission? Let's go to 2 Timothy 2. Second Timothy 2 and verse 15. We're talking about methods of fulfilling our mission. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are to study the word. It says, study the word to be approved. Rightly divide. That carries the thought of expounding correctly. Second Peter 3 it talks about those who use the word rest, the scriptures. Uh, carries the thought of perverting the scriptures. Uh, we are to study the scriptures to be approved, rightly divide them, rightly use them not to pervert them to our own advantage or our own thoughts and schemes. Look over now at chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. It says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Methods. We're to continue in the things that we've learned. It talks about the things we learned from a child. And I would say that most of us here today have have learned good things from our parents, from our homes. Uh, it says to continue in those things. It also talks about all scripture is given. And so we need to use all scripture, not just certain parts, but study all the scriptures and allow that to direct our ways. Someone has said this in relation to these verses, said, let us not deviate from those principles that have brought us safely to our present stage of Christian maturity. I thought this well said. You know, the, the teachings, the doctrines that we've been taught that have brought us thus far Why do we want to deviate from that and do something different or go a different way? He says, let us not deviate from those things that have brought us thus far to our maturity. So we're living in a day, an age when individuals and churches do things sometimes that we wonder where that comes from. And Mark mentioned some of that this morning in relation to... Uh, retail sales in our world today when you go to town on if you drive through town on Sunday it looks just like any other day of the week uh, where did these things come from they've deviated from the things that were used to be a part of our society now I'm, I'm not saying I'm against change I'm not against change sometimes we need to make some changes uh, but when, when things from Scripture, principles from Scripture have been taught and it comes from, script, from Scripture, why do we need to change and go a different direction? It says here that if we follow the Scripture, it uh, makes us perfect or we are perfected as we follow the Word of God. And so we need to think about our methods of carrying out our missions in our, uh, in our personal life, our families, our church. What is your method of carrying on the gospel, of spreading the gospel, of passing it on to your family? Uh, I think it's something worth thinking about. How do I spread the word? How do I raise my family? How do I support the church? And will my methods get me and my family where I want to be when I'm at the end of life? What methods do I use in my family? Do I have family devotions or don't I think it's necessary? What method do you use to pass on the faith? 
to your family? What methods do you use to support the school and the church? I think it's things we need to think about as we live our lives. Do we have plans? Do we have a method to carry on and to pass on the faith? Some years ago, uh, Myron Mullet was here from South Carolina for a week of meetings. And I remember he made a statement that stuck with me. And I don't have his exact words, but it was something like, we should be challenged to pass on to the next generation the good things, and he's talking about spiritual things, the good things that I got from my parents. And so I think that enters in here in our methods. Are we doing things in our church, our families, our school, to pass on the spiritual things that we received from our parents, or is there a, a, a break in the, the chain somewhere? And so, challenge again this morning, let's pass on those things that we have been blessed with. And I acknowledge, as I look at this, that children, as they get older and mature, sometimes they make different decisions. They go a different way than what we would desire, uh, but let's do our part in passing on the faith. Another thing that faces us sometimes is individualism. You know, that's something that's showing up in our world today. And I had a quote here I read that I think helps us on that. And again, we're talking about methods of passing on the faith. And this is what this writer said. A group of Christians is apt to be a better interpreter of the spiritual issues in a given culture than is the individual Christian. That fact should cause each of us to give earnest attention to the convictions of our brethren and sisters in the church. If I have the assurance of faith that I am a saved man by God's grace, and if I love the Christian brotherhood, and if I have an earnest concern for its witness, I will eagerly seek to order my life, not alone by my own private judgments, but in the light of the standards and convictions of the group. I think that's a good method. As we seek to be faithful and serve the Lord, am I taking my own way and making my own decisions, or am I following the direction of the church? And the fourth word is maintenance. What am I doing to maintain my faithfulness? Now, recently in, in, uh, in our work, I got, uh, in the last couple of weeks actually, I got a number of calls from people that, that have gas logs and they would like to light them and get them going since it's a little colder. Or was and uh, I had a number of customers that called and they had not lit their gas logs for seven to ten years and they wanted me to come and light their logs it's kind of like you know just a simple thing come and light them up but every every one of those cases 
they had major problems. Uh, you have things like rust and corrosion and uh, dust and somebody had messed with the logs and laid them on top of the burners. Just a whole list of things. Anyway, these things took major repairs, parts to get the logs going. Our vehicles, if you want to keep driving, you have to maintain it. It takes evaluation, adjusting, changes, fine-tuning, inspections. And yes, sometimes there's a breakdown, and so you have to repair it and keep going. And so it's the same in our spiritual lives. Do we do the necessary things to keep our lives burning for God? 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. It takes maintenance. Or we revert back to the old life. We talked about that earlier. If we don't choose a master, we will be following a master. And so this verse says that we, to, we are to examine ourselves, to prove ourselves, and to see where we're at and make necessary changes. I read a practical example of this just recently. Uh, and this is just one example that you could fill in on your own experience in this. But this man was, a, uh, was an artist. He enjoyed drawing. And he said that uh, he enjoyed it so much that, that he would draw way up to late in the night. I mean, he just enjoyed it so much. He just would draw just stay up late at night drawing. And this, you know, just just day after day after day. And so all at once he realized, you know, what? Well, he hasn't spent much time with God. He's just been drawing. And so he realized that he was lacking in his communication with God and his spiritual life was suffering. And so in order to get his perspectives right, he stopped drawing, just totally stopped for a while and got back on track with his personal devotions and his prayer life. And then it was very obvious to him the difference. He said it was so much easier to overcome temptation when he had spent time with God. And so it's just a practical example what am I doing? What are you doing to maintain your Christian life? Is there some areas that are not what they should be? Is distracting us? Is our spiritual life needing some repairs, some adjustments? So we need to keep in mind that our spiritual life, we need to maintain it. Don't wait for seven years and then come running to the preachers and say, I need some help. Let's be personally responsible to make the adjustments 
to get our perspectives right. And so as I thought of these four things, then I had to think, you know, Jesus is our perfect example. He is our model. You see, Jesus had a master. In John 8, it says he only did that that pleased the Father. Jesus also had a mission. In 1 Timothy, it says he came to save sinners. And Jesus had a method. It says in Matthew that he taught as one with authority. And Jesus maintained his life. We read a number of times where he took time off. He went up to the mountain to pray alone. May the example of Christ <clears throat> challenge us in these areas so that we likewise can be faithful. And so as we come to the close of this, we do live and think of time as years. We can't get away from that because that's how we operate. But let's let this coming year be another year of our life, of time, our lifetime to be faithful. Let's let this year be a part of our lifetime of faithfulness. May that challenge us. And I like to close with the words <clears throat> of another song that we often sing from Francis uh, Habergale. She says this, Another year is dawning, dear Father, let it be. In working or in waiting, another year with thee. Another year of progress, another year of praise. Another year of proving thy presence all the days. Another year of mercies, of faithfulness and grace. Another year of gladness, the glory of thy face. Another year of learning upon thy loving breast. Another year of trusting, of quiet, happy rest. Another year of service, of witness for thy love. Another year of training for holier work above. Another year is dawning. Dear Father, let it be, on earth or else in heaven, another year for thee. Let's have a song.